You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode and this week I am joined by Donny Yankalo. Hello Donny. Hello. And Warren Sklar, who is a co-conspirator on uh, Guy Searle's Mac to the Future livecast. Hello, Warren. That I am. Good morning. <laughs> How's everybody today? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. No rain in my area for a change, so that's always good. Is it? Well, we yeah. had uh, we had rain. We've had rain for the first time in weeks. Uh, unlike uh, you know usual British weather, we've had weeks and weeks of blazing heat. Well, blazing by UK standards, uh, you know, reaching thirty to thirty-four degrees, which is very hot for here. And uh, Friday night, uh, it broke with a massive thunderstorm, uh, and then yesterday was a bit breezy, and today is grey and cool with uh, a moderate breeze. But we're told mm. it's going to return to blazing sunshine next week. So, uh, kind of. Uh, I don't know. Make of that what you will. <laughs> yeah, we get uh we get tropical here during the summer as well. So Ooh. it's uh it gets hot and hotter and hotter and then it's uh the skies open up and then it just repeats. <laughs> I think that was what we've got this year by the look of it. Um And awful go. humidity too. Uh yeah, well the humidity around here has been in the forty to fifty. I don't know how bad that is, but it's unpleasant, put it that way. <laughs> Uh, high temperatures all right if you've got low humidity not so great right. <laughs> when it's humid as well then you it's also good with air it's also good with air conditioning by the way uh yeah well we've got we've got air conditioning in our office but we have a sort of open plan um you know thing and it can't really cope it's not really built to stand 30 degrees and uh it's not too bad in the mornings but by lunchtime it's it's just too much <laughs> there we go there we go. Well, there's a lot of stories this week. Um, of course, there was the uh, i9 disaster that wasn't, um, and there's rumours of problems with the T2. But, uh, well, I suppose we'll... Let's have a look at uh, the i9 uh, storm in a teacup that wasn't really a disaster after all, shall we? I don't want to spend long on this because everybody else has, uh, you know, gone on and on and on about it. But uh, I suppose we should mention it. Um well, it's one of those, isn't it? Um, we all we all uh, we all saw the thing. Of course, uh, it was all over the web that some guy did, uh, you know, tried to stress out his brand new MacBook Pro 2009 i9 um, and got a lot of thermal throttling, and then everybody picked that up and went with it, and it was the end of the world. And Apple had made the worst laptop ever. And uh, then about four days later, I think Apple said, "Oh, oops, there's a slight, uh, you know." key missing in the firmware and if we patch that the problem will go away and uh, so that was all a bit of all of a bit of a storm about nothing really um i mean i guess the guy was right in in posting it he was correct there was a problem but uh, I, i'm not so much um upset about him posting that that was uh, 
I don't think sticking it in a freezer was very scientific, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, but I guess it was a, you know, I guess it's a, <laughs> a non-scientific way of proving that if the uh, chip was cooler, it would work better. But it turned out to all be no more than a minor glitch. Uh, I, I'm, I was more annoyed, really, about all the all the sites and blogs immediately picking up on it as Apple is doomed, which was kind of, well, yeah, there might be a problem. Yeah. Why don't we all just slow down a bit? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there was, you know, there was um, the thing that was kind of interesting is there was, you know, radio silence on Apple for those three or four days. They didn't say anything about it. And, you know, at that point, you you know, people, the story is getting hotter and hotter. But then Apple, I guess, had to come up with the patch or test the patch or something like that. Like, um, I, I would say, um, and yeah. you know, I, I don't know about you, but if it was me, if I if I was Apple, I think before you open your mouth and say anything, you've got to go away and say, right, is this true? Is this a real thing? If so, what is causing it? How do we fix it? You know, there's no point opening your mouth and saying, uh, you know, you don't want to do a you're holding it wrong, do you? You have to kind mm, of right. say. You know, if you open your mouth and go, don't be stupid, there's not a problem. And then it turns out there is. You just look foolish. So I best sometimes the best thing to do is say, you know, I suspect down in the works of Apple, they were scrambling like mad to pressure test, right. <laughs> pressure test i9 MacBook Pros, you know, to the limit to find out what the problem was. And then, of course, they just came out and went, yeah, it is true, uh, but we fixed it. Here you go. But in those three days, people were getting nervous, you know, like Apple's not handling right. But in hindsight, I think they actually handled it, you know, perfectly, actually. And um, it, it's to me, it's a big win. I mean, it's it's really sh- shut a lot of people up and kind of gave kind of uh, with all the other issues that couldn't be fixed, such as a keyboard issue that's going on and you're holding it wrong with antenna gate. This is one of those things where Apple's probably like has a smug look saying, hey, we did it, you know. <laughs> so I, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a good. It's a good look for them. For, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, as I say, uh, I, I've linked a whole load. Of, well, a bunch of stories. I mean, there are there are stories were all over the web. Um, I, I've linked the uh, the first story I saw, um, which was Cult of Mac. Uh, then John Martorello uh, wrote a, quite a good piece, which I've linked to. Uh, Freezer Gate and the Tempest in the Teapot. Uh, where he dug a bit, you know, a bit deeper into the story. And then there's a couple about, uh, there's one from uh, Jason Snell at Six Colours. Um, Apple releases a software fix where he talks, you know, a bit more in depth. And then there's uh, tests confirm the Core i9 MacBook Pro update uh, fixes the throttling issue from, again, from the Mac Observer. So uh, anybody wants to read those who hasn't read enough about it already? <laughs> uh, personally, I was sick of it after about two days be honest and thought just you know just hold on and give apple a chance to uh to have a look um and then of course there's this rumor flying up uh hot on its tail that the t2 and the bridge os that uh that accesses it are causing um some new uh imac pros and macbook pros which are fitted with it to suffer a kernel panic um and all we can say about that is that Mac rumors uh, have a story saying Apple are looking into it. Uh, I don't think this is as big a story, to be honest. As far as I can tell, it's only a few people who have been Im- impacted. Not that that means that Apple shouldn't fix it if they if they can, because even a, sm- a small number of people being impacted is a, is a big problem, really. But uh, it it doesn't appear to be endemic, so you know, prize that there's a, something massively wrong with the T two or the. Um, or the bridge OS seem a little far fetched to me. I don't know what you have you read anything about that or 
Just probably what you've seen. And, you know, as, as you said, it's only a couple people and, you know, you know, bugs happen, you know, they'll fix it. This, this one looks to be like it's easily fixable. I think compared to the, uh, the I nine throttling, people were saying, you know, you, you there's no software that could fix that. It's hardware. It doesn't have enough room to ventilate that it's too hot. This one seems like a kernel panic is basically just some kind of instruction code on it. I would probably guess next patch will have it. I would think so. Um, I mean, on top of that, you know, the iMac Pro has been out for a relatively a, a moderate amount of time. I would say if there was a serious problem in the T2 or the Bridge OS that, that it accesses, we'd have heard more stories. And a lot a lot sooner than this. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is you know, I mean, with the, you know, the, the MacBook uh, i9s, I mean, you know, they were out, what, two days or something before the story right. broke? So no doubt there were people taking their brand spanking new uh, MacBook Pro i9 home and immediately going, how can I stress this to the max? Um, because that's what people do, isn't it? That's, uh, there we go. So yep. Yep, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm, I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm sure it's, you know, and if you're affected by it, I'm sure it's extremely annoying because you've got a very expensive piece of kit on your desk that's not performing how it should um there we yeah. go but the I, rule is the rule is we have to the public needs something to worry about for every <laughs> apple device at, at every time at all times so. at all times yes there has to be you know apple is on the edge of being doomed all the time all the time um i agree with that right well as i criticize people for rushing in i think we should probably just leave that and say <laughs> we should let that story uh unfold in its own good time uh Right. Uh, well, there's loads of stories. So, uh, Donnie, do you want to pick one out that takes your fancy before we go any further? Um, well, I was just looking at the Apple Watch sales and wondering about that. Apple Watch sales jumped by 30% yeah. uh, last quarter despite intense competition, which is interesting. Um, the fact, not that the fact that they're selling Apple Watches, but I'm wondering if it has to do with the summer season and, um, you know, people being more active during the summer, they want to track themselves more or... If retailers are having more sales, knowing what's coming down the pike or think they know what's coming down the pike and wanting to get rid of the older well, uh, yeah. models or inventory. I, I Yeah, I mean, I I looked at this and I guess I could say I was slightly surprised because... Although it's last quarter, so summer wouldn't have to do with it. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. You say that. I mean, in spring quarter, isn't that usually when people, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, in, in this country, right, in the spring quarter, that's when people like lawnmower uh, manufacturers and um, a lot of people uh, who sell DIY type, you know, home improvement right, materials, right, right. they expect to see a huge, you know, maybe make half their half their yearly um, sales in the spring quarter because that's traditionally, in this country at least, when people go out and buy a new lawnmower and think, right, this year I'm going to really do the garden or I'm going to repaint the house or whatever. And maybe, yeah, you know, as better weather comes along, people start thinking, I will take up running. And if I'm going to take up running, I will get an Apple Watch. Uh, I think the other the other thing that, um, that, that grabbed my attention there was, yeah, I mean, 30% is a big spike. But I have also, you are correct, I have seen over the last couple of months, although, as you say, probably that wouldn't affect last quarter, um, sales. There are sales on. I've seen, you know, people advertising $50, $75 off Apple Watches. Um, probably, as you as you rightly say, um, expecting that, you know, come the end of summer, there'll be, a, there'll be an Apple Watch uh, 4 
So, I don't know. Oh, uh, also, of course, uh, they're saying intense competition, but I, I don't know. Is there intense competition? It's true. I don't know. That, that was going to be my point. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. Is there intense I think, competition? I think Fitbit is probably their their best competitor, and I don't know, the most known competitor, and I think Fitbit Please. kind of covers all the, kind of like Samsung with the phones, Fitbit covers all the, the different um, type of, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, all the segments, um, the market segments. Right, it? right. You know, if you just want something that tracks your tracks your walking and doesn't have a watch on it, you can just get a band that does that. Or if you want a, a, something a little more complicated, you can get one that does tell you the time, or that you can get something super complicated, more along the lines of an Apple Watch, depending on how much you want to spend and the features you want. Yeah, I, I, I would yeah. certainly say that Fitbit are their most well-known competitor, although um, I, I listen quite often to the Tech Pinions podcast, and um, obviously they're kind of industry analysts and, and the like, and they seem to think that overall Fitbit are not doing so well, um, that they are losing out to the smartwatches, uh, whether that's, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to... <laughs> rely on them knowing what they're talking about for that but i mean samsung the, uh, don't seem to have been doing anything with their watches i'm, I'm not seeing much on the android wear side um no. now i don't know if that's just because i'm not paying enough attention but yeah it's there i mean i see some ads here and there but you know the fitbit blaze gets really good reviews uh, um, is that their new watch the, that... the fitbit one that's their fully featured one the blaze is yeah i compared to the uh Yes, compared to the Apple Watch, I guess. And I think that that's a sort of about two hundred dollars or something, isn't it? Am I right in there? Something like that. Yeah. So, Is that the uh, one that looks like the Apple Watch? No, that's the Verse. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm I, on their website now. Okay. I don't. I don't follow it, but I know they released one that was, you know, much more fully featured than their sort of traditional Bitbit band. Um, but it is. I just it just seemed to me when they said against intense competition, I I wasn't it was a bit like well where is this intense competition? <laughs> um, because uh, I mean obviously there are people like Garmin and and people like that who produce watches, but I mean those are tend to be more expensive and more aimed at right more specialized more specialized. You know I know people who who have Garmin's, but they are they tend to be people like um like my colleague at work. He does uh, running with dogs. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, it, if you, uh, they do running with dogs, so they run with a dog or two dogs and go, you know, cross country running. Um, do the dogs, do the dogs whip, do the dogs wear the, uh, Fitbits? <laughs> <laughs> that I have no idea, but I mean, he, he has a Garmin, um, and that might be a new market. <laughs> yeah. I th- actually, dog I think dogs. I've seen that. I've, I've seen something that does that too. I'll, I'll dig it up. There is something that attaches to your dog. On a totally, uh, yeah, totally off topic, but um, on Twitter uh, this morning, I saw uh, somebody uh, tweeted a thing saying this this film of a dog stealing somebody's GoPro camera. I could watch it for ages. It's only about <laughs> forty seconds long, but there's a dog running. He's got the GoPro in his mouth, and it's obviously facing towards <laughs> the dog. And it starts obviously, obviously, no doubt they've edited it down. But the dog has got the GoPro in his mouth and it's running, and you can see the guy behind it with another dog trying to chase it. And then there's about forty seconds of the dog and it's running. But what's really funny is the dog runs and then it it waits until in the background you can see the guy kind of nearly catching up with it, and then it runs again. 
<laughs> so it's obviously just playing a game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's humorous. Uh, there we go. Oh look, and uh, all right, oh both Donny and Warren have found uh, the Fit Bark Dog yeah, Activity Monitor for uh, healthy dogs. We'll put that in the show notes. We'll put that in the show notes. But yeah, the, I mean, the Garmin, you know, is aimed much more, I think, at you know, serious runners, cyclists. Um, yeah, know. and I think the Fitbit, even though the more expensive ones have more features, it's still simpler than the Apple Watch for people that just want to track yeah. fitness and don't want all the apps and all the. I mean, I, you know, all that stuff. Not being in that field, I, I couldn't really you know, uh, field a great opinion on it. But as a as a Joe blogs. I don't see um, a lot of competitors to the Apple Watch being touted. Um, there we go. Um, yeah. But it's still yeah. it's still a big spike. I, I'm somewhat surprised to see such a big sales jump. Um, there it's we are. A, it's a sales. Just like you said, here in the US, at least, there's there's been a lot of sales on um, $50 off, $75 off. And uh, they're, you know, the, they're everywhere now. You could... Yeah, all the department stores sell the Apple Watches here in the US. Uh, so they're they're not hard to get. That that um, of course might be that might be a big thing, mightn't it? If they're now available, sort of you know, widely available, rather than having to go to an Apple store. Oh them, yeah, they're all, all over. Then they're no longer you know they're no longer being marketed necessarily as um you know. Put, well, yeah. obviously, obviously they're being marketed to, to Apple users because uh, an Apple Watch without an iPhone or whatever is not a huge amount of use. But um, just the fact that they're more widely available, that more likely to tempt people, I suppose. Um, there we go. Um, and I, I, I guess the only other thing that might have spiked it, um, and I'm not, again, I'm not sure if that occurred early enough. But of course, uh, if you're like me and you've got a, a Series Zero, it's now obsolete, quote unquote, as in um, it won't get Watch OS. Five, so I don't know if that spiked a load of people to go out and buy newer versions. If people, you know, if you've got a, a an original Apple Watch, whether that would spike people to go out and replace it. Yeah, it was sort of obsolete even before that. I think it, it, it's very slow compared to the one or the two. Even um, if I re- I had the Series Zero at one point, and it was it was slow when it when it was new. Um, <laughs> So uh, I think people need to get off those Series Zeros if they can. But um, yeah, I mean, this I have a Series 3 now and it's it's fast. It's great. Um, I recommend it. So people, um, if the, you know, people ask me if they should get one and, you know, get one. And there's not, you know, I can't get my wife to get one for some reason because she doesn't like the look of it. But, um, you know, they're they're great. Yeah, you know, they do exactly what they're supposed to do. I mean, I I got my series zero uh i bought it second hand and i bought it um when the series one and two were released so i mean the guy i got it from was uh you know selling it in order to help fund uh you know his purchase of our series two or whatever it was he was after um but in some ways i think i was quite lucky there because i bought it just as watch os3 was released and watch os3 was supposed to be the one that really made a big difference um Lots of people said that Watch OS 3 was the one that really made the Apple Watch Zero usable. So, you know, I've had I've had a good um, experience with mine. But then again, I don't I don't do running or lots of other things. I'm happy for it to just give me notifications and. Oh yeah, you know. it's I mean it's still works. A Series Three, I think, is when they told the uh, developers that they had to uh, make the they had to kind of separate the dependency off the phone uh, a little bit more. Yeah, and that's why the apps were running a little bit better. Yeah, 
I mean, I shall probably, I shall probably, because I'm a cheapskate and I don't need GPS and I don't need to do running and all sorts of other things, I shall probably look to get um, a Series 1 or 2 secondhand in a few months so that I can, just so I can have Watch OS 5 because I'm like that. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Um. Well. So, uh, so real quick, I'm looking at this Fitbark thing. I don't have a dog and I don't have an Apple Watch, but I'm looking at their website. And I'm surprised they don't make a model for people. This thing is like about $70 US. It's waterproof, has a six-month battery life. I bet you a lot of people would uh, jump. I wonder if it works for people. A lot of people would jump on that six-month battery life and waterproof. Well, I guess you could <laughs> you'd buy one. Yeah, you could buy one you and strap it, put it on your neck. neck. <laughs> it's, got a, it's got a sleep monitor. Uh, my my yeah. dog my dog sleeps probably about 15 hours a day, so <laughs> I think we need to figure this out. Put one on there. Uh, yeah, apparently this. Look, Animal Planet. Fifty-four percent of U.S. dogs are obese. There you go. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how that compares to people, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you should just buy one of those and strap to your wrist and see how that cheaper goes. than an Apple Watch. Well, that is true. Or, or, ne- or neck. I think we have to wear it around our neck. Well, what, why do you have to wear it around your neck? Because it's a it. Goes around the dog's neck. It's, it goes around their. Uh, it goes around their collar. We need collars. Around their neck. Well, you I wonder how. It, I wonder how it tracks walking with two oh. legs versus four legs. Well, yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Because obviously, dog dogs kind of you know their neck bob as they as they run on the whole. Anyway, there we go. Perhaps somebody should buy one and try it out. Did, did you want to volunteer uh, I, for that, Donny? I don't have a dog. So I have a dog. I'm doing it. I'm go making for a cart. Yep. Here we go. Yeah, he's gonna buy one and wear it and see how it compares. <laughs> look out! Look, look out for the review on mymac.com next week. It's fine. Yeah. We'll see if he. Uh, we'll see if he ends up, uh, you know, eating dog biscuits after a run. <laughs> <laughs> it's only thirty nine dollars at Walmart. Here we go. Wow! Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, in that case, it's well, you probably would be worth trying it out and see how it compares. You can oh, even prefer. Oh yeah. well, never mind. Refurb, whatever works, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's 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 a solid state unit. I can't even imagine how you would refurbish it. It's, it's one little piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> they polished it. They polished it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Polished out a few dog bite marks. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a dog biscuit. Perhaps a dog tried to right. chew it. <laughs> oh yeah. So let's not go too far down that road. Uh, um. Well. Um. All right, so Donnie, did you want to pick one? Um, I can pick another one if you want. Let me oh, see. Oh, right, I did Warren. Well, or Warren, I'll take you pick. Uh, somebody pick one. Uh, Donnie picked the uh, the watch story, I believe. Yes, yes he did. Yeah. Uh, um, what am I picking? Uh, well, I mean, we could talk about the under security, the uh, three reasons why nothing to hide argument is flawed by DuckDuckGo. Oh yeah, yes, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one, definitely. It's, um, yeah, so he's a a hot topic. I think it's a, it's almost like politics when you talk about this. Um, <laughs> well, I guess it is slightly, but there we go. I'm prepared to risk it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I've I've gotten into I won't say arguments, but you get into heated debates. There's the people who feel like they got nothing to hide, uh, and they you know they're comfortable using. Facebook and Google and things that where we know that we are the product and they are, you know, basically looking at our information to make their money. And um, in exchange for that, they offer us 
services. And then there's people that are not into that. Then they're not cool with that. And they think that their privacy is worth more than what they're getting. Um, and the argument that they're making is, you know, a lot of people think, like I do, is we have, you know, nothing to hide. And when I go on Google or Facebook or, or something like that and, you know, put in information, I don't feel like I'm putting anything out there that, you know, if I went on top of a rooftop with a megaphone and said the same thing out to the world, that would bother me. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it, it's becoming to be that I think the, you know, it's just going to get worse for the people who are not into that, giving out their privacy. I think right now, Apple is probably the only company offhand that I could think of that is taking any value in people's privacy. And I think most other companies are going in the way of, um, you know, learning as much about you to, to, to make, you know, their profit. And, you know, if, if you look at, you know, some of the future movies out, you know, the futuristic movies and the, you know, like things like minority reports where you're walking around with, and they're scanning your eyeballs and, you know, <laughs> selling products based on that. It's not going to be that, but I think that's where kind of we're going um, and, and people need to prepare for it. Yep. I, I'm, you know, I'm with DuckDuckGo on this one. I think that the point here is, um, is as they say here, you know, privacy isn't about hiding information. It's about protecting your information. Um, and, you know, I, I think they've kind of nailed it really here. It says, you know, do you like to close the door when you go to the bathroom? Would you give your bank account details to anyone? Do you want everyone to know your search and browsing history? Um, and I think that's true. The, the point about um, the nothing to hide argument <clears throat> sorry, is that saying... If you have nothing to hide, then you have, you know, no reason to worry. It is flawed because just because you have nothing to hide doesn't mean that you want someone poking around in your underpant drawer. You know what I mean? It's um, some things are, uh, you know, are just, well, they're private and you don't wish the whole world to know about them. Um it's cost, but it's it's still cost benefit. Is is my point? If, if somebody oh, yeah. said, "I'll I'll give you a thousand dollars to go through your underwear drawer," then yeah, no, but that's cool. that. Yeah, but that's that, what I'm saying is when people, you know, if you opt to use Google or Facebook or what, as long as you're aware of the the deal that you're making, then that that's one thing. But I don't think a lot of people are, and also, um, you know, the kind of psychological profiles that some of these people are building up are well, you know, they're frightening be honest yeah i mean they they will pick up absolutely everything you know what your medical history your voting history your uh you know your sexual orientation all sorts of things which you may or may not want to be i mean if you're happy to share those things that's fine but if if you if you don't want to share them i believe that you should have the right to keep that private and that you know you shouldn't have fingers pointed at you saying that you've done something wrong um no, I don't know how how you feel about that. I mean, everybody still has the, the choice. I mean, it's it's not nobody's forcing you to do it. Um, but I'm not. You know, it, it becomes an issue where it becomes a, an issue where people are getting upset with each other over it. And I think that's where I'm having a problem. Where people, you know, people who uh, are very uh, anti Google or anti Facebook really, you know, can't understand how people aren't. And I think almost vice versa. Um, and, you know, it's it's a choice. I mean, nobody's forcing you to put anything in the computer that you don't want to put in. 
Um, but if you want the benefit of it, then then you, you could do it. Um, I, I, again, I don't feel it's not like I don't have nothing nothing to hide, and it's not like I want to tell the internet things about me. But you know, if I'm doing a, if I'm looking for a, something on the internet, and I go to Google, and it gives me better results than uh, Bing or whatever, then I'm going to go where it works. Um, if, you know, when I created, I created my Gmail address uh, way before probably anybody even thought about these kind of privacy issues. And, you know, it, it's out there. It, you know, I, I still use it here and there. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a benefit. I'm getting the benefit of their services. Same with Facebook, same with the, uh, um, I don't know who else tracks me. Probably everybody tracks me. Well, every, this is the yeah. thing, isn't it? Everybody is tracking you all of the time. Um, right. Probably much, pretty much apart from Apple or, you know, certain services who explicitly say they don't, like DuckDuckGo or uh, ProtonMail or, um, you know, people like that. Um, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle, I guess. Um, you know, I've, I've pulled back from Google. I've never used Facebook. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge one for uh, giving out my details, uh, you know, on all sorts of services. At the same time, for many years, I did use Google because I was happy enough with the, with the deal that, that they made, um, you know, that I went into eyes open. I mean, I, I joined Gmail when it was still invitation only. Um, but over time, I just became more and more uncomfortable about it. And so I pulled back. From, from Google, but uh, I yes, I'm not one for telling everybody you shouldn't do it, you know, and Google is the evil empire, or Facebook, or anything else. As long as you are happy um, and understand the deal you're making, then that's fine, and it's a, a matter of individual choice. I, I just, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I happily promote, um, you know, via Twitter and, and on this show and elsewhere, you know, services that allow you to increase your privacy, if that's what you want to do. But uh, I'm not rabid. I'm not go, going around um, castigating people who say, oh, I can't be fagged with that because I, you know, I'm quite happy using Facebook. It's like, well, fine. If, you, if you're happy using Facebook and you understand what that entails, then that's your right to do so. But um, isn't it, I think that's, I don't know if problems right the word, but I bet you most people that use Facebook, Gmail, don't don't even know about the privacy issues or the what they're letting Facebook or Google know about them. They just, hey, it's free. My friends are using it. I'm going to use it. That uh, that is always the you know that is the problem. I think. Um, luckily, you know, I think I think the um, even the mainstream media, as it were, are now you know trying to make people a little bit more aware of. You know, be a little bit more careful about what you give away out there. But uh, whether but, Joe, Joe Public yeah. is actually taking any notice is another matter. But it's not. I mean, it's. It, but if you look at the younger generation, like my, you know, my my son and and you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year olds, it it's worse than you know. They they not only do they not know probably they they super don't care. Right. Um, I mean, they they will. They will, you know, give a sample of blood to get, um, you know, like a, a like a check-in on whatever they're using or something uh, or a Fortnite thing or whatever. I mean, it's it's whatever education is happening, it's, it's not being passed down. And that's why I am definitely thinking that it's going to be getting worse on the privacy side than better. I mean, it's it's going to be a fight for people who are really against uh, you, against it because it's I don't I don't see anybody else 
and I don't see the younger generation um, trying to become more private uh, to get things. It's definitely the other way around. Well, yeah. Um, who knows where it will go? I mean, uh, with my with my children, um, my daughters, uh, you know, they're eighteen and fourteen. Um, one of them, I think, uh, bizarrely, the older one, I suspect, is is far less uh, cautious about what she shares online. Whereas the fourteen-year-old, um, you know, tends to use uh, an avatar, tends to use, um, you know, a pseudonym or a, you know, a internet handle, as it were. She's much less keen on, you know, filling in forms. She'll just where it says in, you know, fill in where you live and whatnot. She's really very general about it. She'll just put, you know, Suffolk, England. She won't put town or, um, you know, I've encouraged her to use a. Uh, 33mail.com address for signing up for some of these, you know, things. Uh, so she she seems quite clued up. Um, Danielle, who's 18, I think she's she's a bit more of the Facebook generation, and um, I suspect she's signed up everywhere with her real name and all sorts of things. But I don't know. It's go- it's, it's going to be. I suspect there will come a time where it will be people like uh, me who are very wary about what they're prepared to uh, share, will be seen as somewhat odd. But uh, how that will pan out, only time will tell, I guess. Agreed. Yep. Definitely agreed. Definitely agreed. That's, um, you know, I'm I'm all in favour of retaining, you know, a certain level of privacy. But uh, you know, I can I can wave that flag and shout as loud as I like. Whether, whether anybody is listening is a, another matter. Right, I'm going to pick one now, I think. Um, what shall I pick? Uh, this is uh, this is quite a, a a short one, really. So this is really more more of a more of a novelty, really. Um, the adorable Micro Lino car has been approved for, for European streets, and this was on uh, Curbed.com, and uh, it was Mac Jim in the Slack room who who pointed us to it. Uh, and it's a it's a micro car, a two seater micro car, uh, electric, obviously. Um, and it looks very much like a BMW Isetta bubble car. Um, I think somebody described it as loosely modelled on, and it's about as loosely modelled on as, uh, what, they, they've got four wheels on it, not three. That's about the only thing. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's loosely modelled on in the same way as the modern Fiat 500 copies the style of the original Topolino uh, Fiat 500. It's got a, a door on the front that opens outwards like a BMW Isetta. Um, it, it's a BMW Isetta, basically. Um, I don't know if it, either of you have had a look at that link. There's a picture yeah, here. It's a, I mean, I'm looking at it now. It's, it's cute, but uh, in the United States, that thing would last about... Uh, Thing it would last about a minute on the road. It would be crushed. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> no, it's um, it's an ultra com- compact, uh, and they describe it as a city car. And in the same way as you know, all these other little sort of two seater micro cars, um, it, it is very much designed for driving around European cities. I mean, it says it's under eight foot long, smaller than a smart car. Um, it comes at a maximum speed of fifty six miles per hour. Uh, and electrical uh, rechargeable battery which can plug into any standard European electricity outlet. So, you know, it doesn't need a special charging um <clears throat> a special yeah. charging point. Uh we 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 have them here to call golf carts. Yeah. <laughs> uh how it will do, I don't know. I mean these cars always whenever I see them, like how's that thing gonna fare in an accident? Especially if it's hit by an SUV or bigger well, not- 
Not yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, obviously, it's designed for driving around in the sea. So uh, there we go. That that was my one. I don't, I picked that mostly. It was almost a novelty item, really. Uh, but it is interesting. I just found it interesting that uh, I, I suspect that the, you know, by copying to some extent the BMW Isetta uh, bubble car of the 60s, they're going very much for cute factor as a way to sell it. Uh, in the same way, as I say, as the, you know, like the uh, Fiat 500 is styled on the original Fiat 500 Popolino. Um, not actually anything like the original Fiat 500, but it evokes the style, and I think it's very much being sold on that kind of cuteness factor. Oh, yeah. It's very European. Yes. Very. Yeah. Um, there we are. That, that's, that was just a quick one. Um, what was the other one I was going to pick? Um, Should we talk about Verizon unveiling its own VPN service while we were talking about security and privacy? It definitely. Definitely. Let's, let's do that one. Um, yeah, well, um, one of you can tell that because obviously we don't have Verizon over here, but uh, what, yeah. what was your view on it, really? Well, it comes from um, this article. Your link comes from 9to5Mac saying Verizon unveils its own VPN service for iOS devices priced at $4 a month. Um, my first thought when I saw that was the, all the big, uh, what's the word, um, the big hubbub, the big talk about the VPN is to get away from the eyes of your internet provider yes exactly and this is kind of um uh i don't know the opposite of that or i don't know what how to describe it but the um, first comment the first comment of the article describes it it says funny i use vpn specifically to hide for verizon yeah um (laughs) (laughs) but but i could see it as being bringing it more to like the general public guy and being more of a protect yourself when you're at like the coffee shop on public internet and keep your eye, keep your devices out of the sight of, um, you know, um, eyes that are trying to look for and do things in that direction versus, um, keeping it out of the sight of what you're doing out of Verizon. I don't know. I'm talking in a circle if I make any no, sense no, here. But no, I, I'm completely with you there. I, I, I think my, I mean, my initial response was why on earth would you want to have a V, uh, you know, a VPN, which is provided by your ISP because you have no proof that they're not still keeping track of what you're doing. And of course, um, I, I don't know about in, in the US, but here in the, in the UK and the EU, one of the main reasons that, um, not the only reason, but one of the reasons people like to use, you know, choose to use a VPN is to uh, prevent their ISP from knowing what they're doing. All they will be able to see is that you're connected to a VPN service so that, um, you know, the government can't come along and force them to produce records of what you've been doing. Now, <clears throat> you know, whether that's right or wrong is a whole different matter. Um, but the VPN, yeah. The 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 funniest thing is, is many people probably use a VPN to illegally download movies and and things, and then they get normally they get the uh, letter from Verizon saying not to do that anymore. So I uh, I wonder if like if you get the VPN from Verizon, steal a couple movies, and then if you get the letter, you could go back and say to them. How did you know that, that you know? <laughs> well, you'd have to read the terms of con- terms and conditions, I'm sure. But I, I think, you know, we've said it on this show a lot of times, and that is the one thing you do have to uh, have with a VPN is trust in your VPN provider. And I don't think that many people uh, who already use a VPN would want to use a, a VPN from their provider. However, uh, I do agree that, you know, by bringing it into, um, you know, the mainstream, uh, you are at least, 
you know, encouraging people not to, um, you know, connect to unsecured Wi-Fi, etc., where they could be at, you know, much higher risk. And a VPN from your provider, at least, you know, securing you that way is better than no VPN at all. And you know, let's face it, yeah. not not everybody's that bothered about whether their ISP tracks what they do or not. In 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 the same way as you know, plenty of people were happy for Facebook to know all sorts of things about them. So you know, the fact that I looked at it and went, "Why on earth would you want to do such a thing?" Um, just shows my tin foil hat, doesn't it? Really. <laughs> but I, but I, I can see that if they market it right, the the Joe general public, like we're saying, you know, protect yourself on public Wi-Fi. That's a big um motivation to get something like this like we were away last week and we were on the place we were staying on their regular wi-fi that they provide for all the guests and we were using a vpn had everybody in the house on a vpn just to protect us you know if you're sending a password this will protect you if you're doing you know it just felt more secure being that way than knowing anyone could see what we're doing or steal anything that's submitted or yeah yeah and so yeah. you know i guess after a little more consideration, I guess my my overall opinion was, well, it would be better for Verizon customers to be using a Verizon VPN than no VPN at all. Right. Um, and the only the only reason to really poo-poo it is you've got no proof that Verizon aren't still tracking what you're doing. But that's a secondary consideration, really, realistically. Uh, you're, you're also trusting, I mean, people are also trusting basically no-name VPN companies too um you know i i subscribed to nord uh last year i don't know who they are i don't know what they're doing i mean i think there was a story last year as well that there was a vpn provider that was not vpning as well as they should have been uh um, i can't remember the actual well, story there was, but there was there was a there was a story um that hotspot shield vpn uh were accused of uh, not so much of not doing a VPN correctly, but they were they were accused of actually um, collecting your information, which obviously mm. as it you know as it passed through their VPN servers, and and were then selling that on. So that um, although that as far as I could tell, that was never actually proved. Um, I've yeah, never I found, remember that. Yeah. I, I've never found any evidence to say that that was proved, and I'm sure that did uh, Hotspot Shield's business an awful lot of damage. Um, because I, for one, used to use Hotspot Shield VPN, at least the free level, um, you know, in coffee shops or whatever, and, and I, I stopped using them. Now, if, if I'm not going to point any fingers at anybody, but if you're in the VPN business and you want to bring down a competitor, if you, you know, if you smear them by saying they're not doing what they claim they're doing, you can do a hell of a lot of damage to somebody's business that way. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, and these companies aren't big enough to for people to know any better and that's that's the thing maybe verizon has a has a advantages on that because they're verizon and they people like uh who are into tech if they're choosing between hot spot whatever vpn that i uh, kind of heard of or verizon they, they'll go to verizon because they don't know the other one well, it and doesn't ring a bell i guess as well from uh you know from from a user's point of view <laughs> You just it just you probably it just gets added to your bill. You right. don't you don't have to sign up to anything. You just say to Verizon, yes, I'll have the VPN service, please and thank you. And well, here here's a question though. It says it's for use on mobile devices. Will it only work on like your phone that has Verizon service, or can you carry it over to your iPad that doesn't have LTE service, or your your laptop 
that's not a Verizon, you know, doesn't have LTE in your MacBook or anything? Is it just for your phone or your iPad that has a um, Verizon service on it, or is it across the board? That is There's a very a, good question, isn't it? That is. Um, I, I, I have Verizon, and they have a My Fios app where you could actually look at the service. I'll, I'll report back to you on that. And says, I think this is Verizon um, Cellular, not Fios. It's cellular, yeah, it's for cellular. Okay, well, I mean, it says here, um, the only thing it does say is Verizon are looking to entice customers by offering a free 30-day trial. So if you're on Verizon, you can always download it and try it, I suppose, and see what, what it offers. Um, but, yeah, um, it doesn't, I mean, at that price, it, it's, I don't know how many devices it covers. That's the other thing. I mean, I use Proton VPN. That costs me four euros a month. I, I think that probably works out about the same as four dollars, give or take. Um, that gives me two devices at the level I, I'm at. I can add more devices. I, there's a, you know, there are higher levels. I can increase my my spend in in order to add more devices. But at the moment, I cover my, you know, my phone and my laptop, and that's enough for me. Um, and yeah, as I say, you have to have trust in your VPN, and I trust Proton. Uh, <laughs> I trust Proton um, because they're audited and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I guess it comes back down to the point of spreading it into the mainstream. I guess is is important because you know cyber cyber crime is becoming more and more prevalent, and a lot of it is that sort of thing, isn't it? It's it's people's um, you know logins and financial data and whatnot being stolen for criminal for criminal use. So any VPN is better than no VPN. Well, not any VPN. There are probably I I never trust these VPN services that send you emails saying get a lifetime of VPN protection with dodgy VPN dot somewhere or other for just fifty dollars. You know, it's like really I don't trust that as far as I could throw it. <laughs> but um, I don't know. But yeah, it uh, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about that. It's uh, it's there, and I guess if it encourages people to use a, a reasonably um, well-branded VPN as opposed to no VPN, that's that's got to be, I guess, for the good overall. Well, if it helps, I, I'm on the Verizon app, and I can't even figure out how to add it. So it, it, <laughs> That's not a great it's start. Not available yet? It, well, I mean, the article says it's live, but I, there's no... There's no simple way to find what they're talking about so i, mean, I don't think i don't think they're uh marketing it very well but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've got um i've got another one here which is a kind of uh well it's not really related to vpns but uh idaho prison inmates exploited a tablet vulnerability to steal two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars of credits uh from the verge uh, i put this in mostly because it was um sort of i found it amusing and also wow you you gave a load of criminals um tablets um and then you were surprised when they hacked them in order to get more than more than more than their allotted allowance um it's funny that prisons tend to be full of criminals (laughs) um what does it say here? A, a group of 364 prison inmates housed across a series of Idaho correction facilities collectively stole nearly $225,000 of digital credits by exploiting a vulnerability in tablets which were provided by a, a company called JPay. Um, this is a private company providing digital services such as email, music, games and money transfer for prison inmates. 
Um, JPay provides inmates with access to the outside world and prisons often adopt this service to help with rehabilitation and education. It uh, appears not to use taxpayer money to fund services, nor does its revenue go to the state. Um, JPay lets family members or friends of inmates purchase the tablet for them, or it may foot the bill itself, um, okay, as it did for 53,000 inmates in New York earlier this year. Okay, um, it charges... Uh, it earns revenue by charging inmates for email use, blah, blah, blah. Uh, down. Anyway, apparently they, they have um, somehow or other they, they get digital credits. And uh, due to an exploit, uh, it is not immediately clear what the vulnerability was or how so many different inmates were able to exploit it. Presumably there was a form of clandestine communication about the hack passed between inmates. No, you don't say. <laughs> So somebody found out how to award themselves as many credits as they liked, and uh, all these inmates went round awarding themselves a thousand, between a thousand and ten thousand dollars worth of credits. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I just found that rather amusing. Yeah, I, I just looked at. I mean, keep in mind these credits are used. Uh, it's not. They're not. It's not national money. It's credits yeah. to to look at stuff or music and stuff like that. And reading some of the uh, the things on the. The article it, it sounds like you know it costs like five thousand dollars to to read one article or a thousand dollars to listen to one song. That's an exaggeration, but uh, it seems to be pretty expensive. Um, to these credits are they they don't equal to normal money. They're like Smurf berries. Yeah, they're, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, it, they're not. It, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, they've got some sort of proprietary, looks like Android-based tablet. And uh, yeah. if you give it to enough inmates, some of whom are probably ex locked up for being experienced hackers, they've uh, found a vulnerability and then told everybody how they could uh, award themselves as many credits as they like. So, uh, See, and I Apple and some companies pay pay you to if you hack it they'll pay you so yeah. this is just a, this is just their compensation for hacking it so it's, exactly it works out <laughs> yeah there we go guess what criminals do criminal stuff <laughs> yep. oh, yeah dear. no that one amused me um well I'll tell you what we'll take a break shall we for John Nemo to do his hardware store and we can uh, refresh our you know, glasses, and then we'll come back and do a few more stories and wrap up. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay, take it away, John. I know it's been warm in Britain for some of you. Well, where I live here in southern Arizona, it is hot. H-O-T-T-T-T. -T -T -T. It's hot. And when it's hot, it's also sunny. But there are also places where it can be cool and rainy. Or you can be in an office or in a bus or on the tube or anywhere that you don't want people to be looking at what you're doing on your phone. So there is a product that handles all of this here on Nemo's Hardware Store. It's called My Flip Shade. M-Y-F-L-I-P-S-H-A-D-E. And the company is MyFlipShade.com. In the U.S., it's sold for $10 through Amazon. So look it up in your country of choice. The model I have is black. It also comes in a couple of other designer colors. You take it out of the package and you use the adhesive on the back to attach it to your phone and it works with any of the modern Apple phones. You attach it to the back of your phone or more intelligently to the back of a dedicated case because once it's attached, it stays attached. So keep that in mind. There is a top panel that flips over sort of like an umbrella. And then there are side panels 
that can be folded in or out for privacy. So it allows you both privacy, protection from the elements, as well as more important, which is the sun shade. I just went outside to take a picture of Mrs. Nemo in the swimming pool, and definitely it's bright and sunny out. And as soon as I flipped the trap door over the top, sort of like the garage door over the top, it was definitely easier to see here as I took some pictures on the phone. So have a look at the website. See the different colors they have. They have four on the website for myflipshade.com, the new must-have phone accessory. Look at the video, read the reviews, read the comments, and I like the fact that it's versatile, lightweight, but be aware that it is dedicated to the case or the phone that it attaches to. That's the only potential negative. Aside from that, it has a lot going for it. There's a nice little video showing it in use. So thank you, my flipshade. For sending us an excellent product here at Nemo's Hardware Store. Super affordable, very versatile. And in the summer months, or possibly even in the rainy winter months, this will come in handy for many of you. Back next week. Thank you, John. And uh, all the links for that will be on the website, of course. Uh, Right. Well, we'll do a few more stories and then we'll wrap it up because we've been going quite a while. how about uh you you just mentioned this one uh Warren and any font by Florian Shimanki apparently uh is 1.99 on the app store and there's an in-app purchase for 99 cents or pence depending on where you are uh which will get you a bundle of a thousand fonts that you can use um and it's a it's an app to allow you to install any font hence the name uh, onto your iOS device which of course is particularly useful um and as you said ties in rather nicely and that's what brought it up actually uh it, it it's very useful obviously if you're doing you know things like uh affinity designer or or any other sort of uh pro level design app uh, on your iOS device because uh if you're limited to just the fonts in the um installed list there that's pretty restrictive uh also, of course, it, it, um, you can use it to make sure that your Word documents or um, Pages documents and the like don't get mangled because you don't have all the fonts that were used. Uh, yeah, um, looks like a very good yeah. app. I, I have. It's to really think. easy to use. Yeah, um, it's. And you can you can also sorry, didn't mean to no, no, cut go you on. off. No, go on. You can also um, I think you can through email and Dropbox also, and through iTunes, you can install any font from your computer onto the onto your iphone or ipad through it not just you don't have to buy the fonts through no, no. them no they they act, they actively say on their page that the, you don't need the in-app purchase that's merely um a collection of a thousand fonts for convenience um which, which you know you can download that and then i guess you can just select those out of the list and install them whereas right. um but you know no its original intent is to allow you to uh get fonts from your computer and put them on your iOS device so that they, you know, if you if you happen to like, uh, you know, writing all your emails in Algerian, um, yeah, that would be a bit eye bleeding. But you know, if you if you have a particular use for a font, um, and of course, as as I say, as as things like um, Designer for iPad, um, Pixelmator, you know, and and other design apps um, come onto iOS. You're going to want these fonts. You know, you're not going to make. No designer is going to want to make do with the sort of dozen basic fonts that come installed in iOS. 
very limiting. Um, and if I remember correctly, because I did buy the 99 cent, the um, thousand fonts, because it's a lot easier than pulling them off your computer, then um, you do still have to install them one by one, but you can go through and pick the ones you want. But I think it said the license was for, for personal and, and um, professional use. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're full, fully licensed fonts. Um, I, I think, I don't know how uh, any app does it, but um, Alistair Jenks um, sent us a post from um, 2013, I think, where he figured out how to do the same thing using Configurator, Apple's Configurator, which explains how it works. Um, and I've put that up on, on the uh, Essential Apple site. Um, and that explains how you can do it. Um, they work by, by installing the fonts into profiles. Um, now, Scott got a bit wary of that. He didn't like the idea of anything installing profiles on his device, which is why Alistair, in fact, brought up how to do it with Configurator, because it's like, Scott, if you, if you, don't, if you don't trust anybody but yourself to do it, here is how to make a profile with fonts in it for yourself. Um, I think and that's Scott of um, Pocket Size Podcast. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. so that's Scott Wilsey from the Pocket Size Podcast. Um, in the Slack room, he was saying, "I'm not sure I trust anybody to put profiles on my device." And that, you know, that is a that is a valid, um, you know, a valid uh, fear. I guess you again, you have to trust that these people are not doing anything in these profiles. Um, but any font has uh, uh, 359 reviews, I think, on the App Store um, with an average of four stars. Um, and if you look at Alistair Jenks's post, that explains exactly how you make a profile, and that's all they're doing. I'll be honest, that's that's all they're doing there. The profile contains the font information, which you then use to insert it into iOS. Um, and, and you said you had to insert them one by one. Um, I don't know if any font forces that, but Alistair, um, in his post with Configurator, shows how you can put multiple fonts in one profile. I don't think you actually have to add all the fonts in, you know, one by one. Otherwise, you'd end up with thousands of profiles. Well, if you if you do the um the in app purchase, it shows you like the list of the thousand fonts, and it's like, and then you pick the one you want, and then you have to install it, and then approve it, and then go back into so the at least the ones you buy, you have to do one by one. Okay. Well, the um fair enough. Anyway, it doesn't matter because obviously, you know, on your iOS device, you are probably not going to install thousands upon thousands of fonts. You're simply going to install the fonts you want probably there and then. You know, if you're doing a project um, and you need, I don't know, Baskerville old style, then you're going to install your Baskerville old style and use it. And then possibly when you're done with it, remove it again. Um, but, you know, it's it's been around for a while. Uh, obviously, any font. I mean, uh, Alistair mentions it in his article. So it's obviously been around for at least five years. Um, but yeah, I, I, I suspect something that I've seen, I've seen around, I don't have an iPad, so it's not a huge amount of use to me. I'm not going to be doing a great amount of work on my phone, but, um, I, I just, I thought, yeah, this is something that as the iPad comes, you know, more and more prominent for actual creative work, that's something people are going to want, isn't it? People are going to need to, uh, you know, need fonts. It's like, uh, nobody wants to work with the basic set of fonts, really. Not creatively, anyway. Right. And if Apple wants the iPad to become more and more used by professionals, they're, they're going to have to have a way to get funds on through Apple, like Apple provides a way, or just keep relying on third-party products. But I would imagine something would be coming from Apple at some point. Well, you would hope so, really. Um, realistically, um, I, I'm not suggesting that people want to install, you know, tens of thousands of fonts onto their iOS device. But at the same time, you're going to need... I would think some sort of font manager that allows you to, you know, switch fonts on and off 
on the fly or to add fonts in and out on the fly because that's how professionals work. You, you know, right. you need access to tens of thousands of, of, of fonts uh, for creative work. You can't, nice as, uh, you know, Helvetica or... Uh, Ariel. Whatever, <laughs> uh, or whatever may be, um, that, that's not sufficient, you know. <laughs> right, uh, right, what else? Um, Oh, this was this was uh, worth a chirp. I I think this might have been Mac Jim posted this one. It costs nineteen dollars to bring MagSafe back to the MacBook Pro uh, from Boy Genius reports, and there's not a lot to say about that really, other other than um, there you go. Apparently, there's an adapter of a MagSafe type adapter available for nineteen dollars. Um, no, they've been they've been around for a while. Oh yes, they have. There's it's not new. Um, I'm not saying this one is new, but this one at $19 seems reasonably priced. Some of them I've seen were, you know, really? How much? <laughs> if, I, mag- if I had it, I would jump on it. Yeah, because... I uh, have a... I have a... I forget who... I got a Griffin. I have a Griffin one that is like it, and it, it, it's fine. It works fine. Um, you know, the problem with all of them is it sticks out. The, the, the nub sticks out of mm. the MacBook more than... You know, so if you put it in a case or if you put it in a laptop bag with that nub on there, it mm. could be an issue. I have uh, I have seen some, uh, and I can't remember the name. There is one, I believe, where they've, they've cleverly, what they did is effectively put the magnetic link at the other end. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, yeah. So that, that you have a chance. Well, actually, no, even, actually, even all of them you could swap around, even the one I have now. Oh, right, okay. Uh, you could put the charging end, um, you could put the magnetic end by the charger and the regular end in the MacBook. It, you, they're, they're swappable, but um, yeah, this one looks a little bit better. The one I have that the nub is probably twice the size out. This one looks to be a little bit more flush. So it's, yeah, I might, I might well, jump on it. Well, yeah. I, I, did, I think... Um... Yeah, no, no, I mean, too late. The... I ordered it. It's too late. <laughs> My car. There we go. Um, well, yeah, because I I think you know the the MagSafe connector is one of the best things Apple ever invented, and um, you know the fact that when they announced that they were removing it, I was very sad. And uh, when I eventually go to a laptop, uh, you know, a newer laptop that doesn't have it, I will certainly be looking for some kind of um, MagSafe type adapter because the number of times the kids yank my cable is, um, you know, beyond counting. And uh, a newer, more expensive laptop (laughs) would make me even more wary. So there we go. Um, So the link is there. And uh, who does that actually, uh, who who actually manufactures that? Power Trend Fast Charging. Yes. One? Yes, it's the Power Trend Fast Charging 86 watt reversible magnetic USB C cable. There we go. And it's $19. Well, I, I just bought it, so I'll let you know. Okay. How, how it is. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, doing, we're doing well. You're here. on a roll today, spending a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, no, I got, the, I got the, uh, the, the Fitbit for the dog. I got these. Uh, uh, I signed up for the I signed up for the Verizon VPN service while you guys were talking. It's 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 going crazy here. My wife's going to not be happy with that. <laughs> oh, well. it made me episode Warren's wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, and um, while we're on um, sort of worth the chirps, uh, some time ago I I mentioned on this show that I'd bought some cheap cables um, from Amazon uh, called Pure Idea, um, and I I think they worked out at about. They worked out about seven pound for five, uh, you know, one meter uh, 
uh, lightning cables. Um, and I'm glad to say that they are holding up rather well. So uh, that's good because um, none appear to have died. Um, and in the past, I've bought cheap ones and some of them only last a week before they give up the ghost. Uh, I think Until my daughter... now, you just, you just jinxed yourself. Yeah, I probably have. Now they'll all die. Uh, I think my daughter managed to break the spring on one of them, but that was by sitting on it. I don't think, I don't think their, uh, you know, no break policy includes people plonking themselves down on top of the spring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing I, I mentioned at the time and I, I bought, which I bought, um, I bought a, a plated leather USB charging cable bracelet that cost me about um, 12 pounds. Um, and that's that's holding up rather well as well. So there you go. Um, I guess How's it look? Um, it looks nice because when it's on, it simply looks like a, a plated leather band. Um, it's only, yeah. you know, a quarter of an inch thick. And then it's got uh, a metal metal lens with the lightning and the USB-A thing, which slide together to make a link. And they're in a nice sort of uh, glossy gunmetal um, enameled blocks. So it, when it's when it's on, it just looks quite pleasant. The only thing I will it's say like, is the it first like one. like a bit to bring it all back around. <laughs> no, it's looser than that. But yeah, um, I the first one I ordered, I, I I've got quite small wrists, so I ordered the smaller one. But that was a little tight. It was uncomfortably tight. So I ordered the the next size up. But they, they cost twelve pounds uh, UK. I can't remember the brand name now. Um, I'll have to. Uh, I'll put the link There's... in the show notes. There's a bunch of different ones on Amazon that I'm looking at right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. No, me too. Um, a, this is getting even worse for me now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me have a quick look in there. Amazon.co.uk. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, uh, why don't I look in my yeah. purchases? That would be the best way, wouldn't it? Look at what my, my purchases. That would tell me. It, it was called something like um, the Solly or, or something like that. There's one that's A-U-Z-E-V. No. Is, I just have to link for that one. All Zev. Oh, there's a braided one too, like a um. It's just plain, uh, yeah. Parachute cable. Oh, look at this one. This one's uh, yeah. Yeah, Basoli bracelet charging cable, uh, braided leather wrist brand bracelet and data lightning USB cable. So basically, it's a flat USB cable, um, with a braided leather outer on it, um, and it costs. Yeah, it cost me twelve pounds. Um, I mean, you can buy really cheap plastic ones and whatnot. Um. There we go. Uh, I'd just like to tell people that that's bearing up rather well because sometimes these things, uh, you know, sometimes these things fall by the wayside, don't they? Um, mine is holding up rather nicely. So there we go. Uh, right. Who wants to pick? Should we pick one more story and then shall we wind it up? I was just looking at the uh, how to make a website that fits inside its own link. Oh, yes. At, um, yeah, Cult that, of Mac. That's really interesting. That's quite quite natty, that. Yes. that That's, yes, well spotted. I, I nearly forgot about that one. Um, this was on Cult of Mac. Um, I, I'm not sure whether I picked that one up or if somebody in the Slack room posted that one. Um, what you've got here is a technique uh, to actually... Um, uh, it actually puts... It's like a QR code, I suppose, but... Um, it shows it, so it can be... Embedded in a QR code. As well, yes. It's called Itty Bitty. Um, uh, and the creator of Quicksilver. Um, it, right, it consists of a web-based editor that lets you type in anything you like. And when you're happy with what you've written, uh, you copy and paste the URL from the URL bar and share that URL. Uh, your website is contained inside the URL. Um, the biggest constraint is size and the Itty Bitty editor shrinks your text but there is a limit to the size of links that can be shared. Uh, Twitter limits you to 4,000 bytes. Um, a QR code can store a maximum of 2,000 
610 bytes. Um, but if you're using text, this is a lot of space. It is indeed. Um, and then it explains here in the link um, how it works. My, I mean, I think it's really, really clever. Um, very natty. And it also says you don't need internet access to do it. It's almost like a little program built into yes, whatever it, it's... it's... It's built inside. As long as you've got the... Uh, the as long as you've got the URL, it contains compressed all the information for the website. Um, yeah, it's almost like an app built in the URL instead of an icon. You're clicking a URL. Well, yeah, if if you click on it, there's an example of a calculator app. Right. Yeah. Which Some... is kind of neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, this app fits inside its own URL. You are not limited to basic HTML. Check out this calculator app. I I yeah. just thought it was bloody amazing and very very clever. Um, my only. Uh, you know, our immediate downside on that was was both Suffolk Pete and I said this is absolutely brilliant and really clever, and unfortunately will almost certainly be used for distributing spam and other right. unwanted <laughs> junk. Um, porn, lots of porn, porn pictures. Yeah, well, I yeah. think it said in the article, you know, QR code. Someone could put something malicious in a QR code, and you know, kill. If you're on an Android phone, that could be even have a virus or something in it. Yeah, well, that unfortunately um, has also always been a problem with QR codes in, in any way because of how they work. Um, but there you go. It's a brilliant piece of work. Um, unfortunately, I fear it will be used mostly for ill. <laughs> there we go. Which would be yeah. sad. Which would be sad because it's actually very, very clever. And um, Nicholas Jitkoff of... Uh, the creator of Quicksilver and VP of design at Dropbox uh, has obviously worked really, really hard to design such a clever thing. Uh, there we go. Very nice. Though. Very clever. Very clever. Um, and I, I, yeah, like I say, sadly, I suspect it will be used to distribute spam and other unwanted junk. Uh, and that's probably pretty much it. Um, we have a quick one from the news. Forging a full fibre broadband and 5G future for all. Uh, from the government uh, of the UK, who have uh, said that now uh, they've got a fabulous plan that they're going to give everybody uh, broadband and 5G to cover the country by 2030. But um, like most things from government, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and on a similar vein, uh, Verizon looks to Apple or Google for live TV over 5G. Uh, going back to Verizon. <laughs> this one was on Engadget. Um, basically, I, I think... Uh, what they're saying is they don't want to roll out infrastructure all over the US. They want someone else to do it for them. I think that's the long and the short of that, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> oh, there we yeah. go. Yeah, look. Or everything's going to be wired. Everything's maybe wireless. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe maybe it's um. Oh no, I've got it the wanna... other way around. They're going to provide the five G, and they're looking for somebody to provide a home streaming uh, service uh, for them. Okay. So right. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing Verizon down there. I'm, I've misread yeah. how that works. So it's, they they uh -huh. want somebody to partner with them to provide content over their yes. over their infrastructure. I couldn't right. see Apple doing that if it was like exclusive to Verizon. That would. Well, I mean, like... it's going to work. Verizon knows that the future is going to be uh, getting TV content through these streamers, uh, streaming devices, things like that. They know that. Apple doesn't have an infrastructure to roll out their content to people without internet. So, it, you know, it makes sense uh, that they would get together and do it. Um, I could see I a think. deal, but still having app, whatever Apple comes out with being available to others, almost like um, AT&T AT does with DirecTV and T-Mobile gives away Netflix and Sprint is Hulu and 
like that type of possibility. Right, right, right. right. But not like a Verizon-only Apple TV service. No, well, that's the whole net neutrality thing, isn't it? Yeah, and they, and of course you've got the other the other thing with that is um, would Apple want to you know would they be prepared to tie their wagon to one provider? I mean, I know when they launched right. the um, you know when they when they launched obviously the iPhone it was it was exclusive. I mean, in this country it was exclusive to O2, um, yeah. AT&T here, AT&T, AT&T over there. But of course, a lot of that was to do with logistics and and negotiating uh, you know what they wanted because. They had to, you know, they they used that clout, didn't they, to to break. Um, they had to get it out. Yeah, but they also used that technique to break the way that previously, you know, carriers had uh, dictated. You know, they put their branding on phones. They dictated what you know, this, that, and the other, and what software it had on it, and all sorts of other things. Um, and right. Apple, you know, Apple used that exclusivity originally as leverage to get what they want. But that's also that's that was a different ball game. I think you were launching a you know a new a completely new um, category of product, and you know, bet to some extent, betting you know betting the farm on it. And um, I I don't think something like Apple TV is the same is the same kettle of fish. I'm not sure that Apple would want to put out a service and then tie it to one provider. I'm not saying they wouldn't yeah. do it, but it just it would depend on all sorts of things, I suppose. But would you want to, you know, it's like Amazon. I mean, Amazon Prime Video or whatever, they don't tie it to one provider because that would be, you'd shoot yourself in the foot, wouldn't you? The same as Netflix. Yeah. The point is, you know, we've got this content and we want you to sign up to it so we make it available everywhere as best we can. Right. So... Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I could see why Verizon would want to do that, but I don't think Apple would be the partner that, who would, who would do it. Um, I guess, I mean, they're obviously looking at it for somebody to, uh, obviously to encourage people to, to use Verizon. Um, but really part of it, you're surely your, your biggest draw for me, if, if you're an IS, uh, you know, if you're a service provider, the biggest draw you can provide is massive coverage and, and good quality. That's what people go to a provider for. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't go to my phone provider because they offer this, that or the other. I go to a phone provider because they, they offer me the service I want, you know, the data and the, and the coverage. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is the, the here in the U S at least the phone providers and the network providers are becoming so close to each other in quality that they, they, they're trying to find out things to offer the customer that will entice them. And uh, I think one of the only things out there right now is things like Netflix and content uh, to, to offer. Um, Cause you know, they, what's going to, what's going to uh, differentiate one service from another at this point. Well, yeah, that, uh, that is true. I mean, we, we're getting the same thing over here. You're getting, you know, various providers saying, oh, well, you know, you sign, sign on with us and we'll give you, you know, six months of BT sport, um, with, you know, which is Sports Channel um, from British Telecom. Uh, you know, we'll chuck that in for free, or we'll chuck in a year of Apple Music, or we'll chuck in this, or we'll chuck in that. And and a lot of them, the other one they're doing is, oh well, the data you use on that one doesn't count towards your cat, that sort of thing. But they're all just sweeteners, aren't they? You know, I, I'm not saying some people wouldn't go to a provider for that. I mean, I suppose if I was a big watcher of sport, uh, you know, the idea of getting X amount of months free on a sports channel might entice me. But on the other hand, it's basically meant to lure you into using it after six months. Is if you want to continue using this, you got to start coughing up. Yep. 
yep. walk over yep. the spawns. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there we go. Anyway, that was I. That kind of uh, yeah. I apparently read that one backwards, but there we go. Um, I don't know. I personally, I wouldn't see Apple buying into that, but who knows? There we are. Right. Well, boys, I think we've probably done most of what we need to do, so uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, Donnie, do you want to go first and, uh, you know, promote your wares? Uh, let's see. Um, R-T-T-E-A-C-H-R on Twitter. Um, I have a bunch of books in the iBookstore and uh, iMessage stickers um, in the App Store. You can just look me up and you'll see them all come up. Very good. Uh, Warren? Um, yeah, uh, basically I'm on Facebook. Um, I, I run a site called Mac to the Future, um, which is a, um, Apple centric, but technology focused fun group just to talk about technology and to, you know, like Apple products more than probably the other products out there. Um, so I'm there a lot and that's, that's the best way to find me. Very good. Um, right. Well, uh, I am on the uh, Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. The show, of course, is at Essential Apple. Uh, the website is EssentialApple.com. Uh, obviously, you can join our Slack room if you are so inclined by simply clicking the link in the show notes. Uh, and I think on that note, we will say goodbye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. See ya. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast, and uh, I'd just like to say that uh, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, go over to EssentialApple.com and you can take a look at the Patreon or the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can either make a single donation or you can make uh, a regular subscription and all the money that you donate will go towards paying for the things like hosting and better microphones and such like. And of course, a very special thank you to those of you who already do support the show. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. We are part of the MyMac Podcasting Network, where you can find such shows as Tech Fan with Tim and Dave, My Mac with Guy and Gaz, The Three Geeky Ladies, The Geekiest Show Ever, uh, The Excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, The Club Nintendo, um, and probably some that I've forgotten. So why not head over to MyMac.com, download a show, and take a listen. Amazon, Google, Apple, Android, iOS, Alexa, Siri, technology, sci-fi, video games, tablets, computers, flash drives, toys, weather, and general silliness. Geekiest show ever, every week on the MyMac Podcasting Network. I'm looking forward to those pictures with the Fitbit on you, Warren. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my Fitbit with my, uh, with my um, new uh, uh, bracelet with the USB-C and then... Uh, and then my new charging cable. And so I'll, I'll, I'll come in like Mr. T, Mr. T with all these things wrapped around my body. Put, put the Apple watch on the dog and the fit bark on you. <laughs> I might have to do that. The dog's not amused. I'll tell him. He, he, he doesn't look amused. <laughs> Excellent.
the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.